Pastor Steve has asked me to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. That's chapter 5, verses 19, 19 through 21. Let's pray. Dear Lord, just thank you for letting us all get here safely today. And Lord, just please be with Mr. Steve and please help for all of us to be able to apply his lesson today to our lives. And please help for us to all go home safely and to be able to really, really use it in this week. Lord, just thank you for giving us this option to come here every day, every week, Lord, and just to serve you and worship you, Lord. And in your son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First Thessalonians 5, 19 through 21. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies. Test all things, hold fast what is good. Good morning. Good to see you all here today. I predicted a lower turnout today, so thank you for proving me wrong because it's so cold and scary outside. But, um, excuse me. Oh, I can take this off. I keep forgetting. Um, so I want to ask you, what's going on in the world right now? If you think about the world, what's going on in the world right now? And I'll tell you, most of what we concern ourselves with that's going on in the world is, at best, a minor issue. At worst, a deliberate distraction by the evil one. I'll tell you what's going on in the world, the same thing that's been going on since the beginning of time. In Genesis 1, it said that the Spirit of God hovered above the face of the deep. That's what's going on right now, is that the Spirit of God is moving through this world. He's in this room. He's with us right now. He's in us if we're Christians. And we kind of got into this some on Wednesday, but I wanted to get into it a little more today. And I'm not going to be describing the differences in the Spirit, um, like gifts of the Spirit, indwelling of the Holy Spirit, things like that. I'm not going to talk about that this morning. We'll talk about that some tonight. But what I want to talk about is the fact that we as Christians have shortchanged ourselves and shortchanged each other because we have, as we talked about on Wednesday, thought of the Bible as a just, when you take all the self-help books in the world, this is the best one because it's God's self-help book. But that's not the truth. The Spirit of God moves in us. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit when we're baptized. And there is no greater blessing here on earth than the fact that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We 
there are two worlds. One is the flesh, and the other is the spirit. The Bible is extremely clear about this. We live in a fleshly world, and this is made on paper, but the words that are in it come from the Spirit of God. You know, we're all walking around with masks right now, and that kind of reminds me that our spirits are literally kept separate from each other. And I worry that that's happening more and more on another level, because if you remember spirit is wind or breath. When we say the Bible is inspired, it means that God breathed in the words and they were breathed out by men. I want to just look at a couple things about the Spirit this morning. Let's go to Matthew chapter 3. I hope you have your Bibles. We're going to be looking at verses 11 and 12. This is the promise John the Baptist makes about Jesus. What's Jesus going to do when he gets here? John says, I'm baptizing you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is much stronger than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. You know, in our uh, Sunday morning class, the young adults class, we're talking about God cleansing the land of Canaan um, literally with fire. Because what was there before was something holy and pure. And God's trying to get us back to living in the Garden of Eden. This is what's been happening since Genesis. We've sinned and rebelled. God is trying to fix that. And how is He doing that? Over and over again, the Bible will say that God is using fire. Weirdly, I like to watch. I like to watch a lot of nerd. I mean, just I don't know. I think a lot of guys are kind of fascinated by the whole like forging metal. You know what I mean? Fire, good. We forge. We make big, strong blade. I don't know why. That's just endlessly fascinating to me. But if you watch these these videos, you can see that there's actually a lot of junk. Like to get iron, you have to get these rocks that just look like complete useless rocks. And with the fire, they literally burn out all of the silicates and all the other things that are in that metal that make it useless. And with the, the, the fire, it, it gets intensely hot, but it, it burns away in a way, or at least is causes it to float to the top, all that slag. And the blacksmith just wipes it off. And this is exactly, in, in this verse in Matthew chapter 3, is, is what, he say, what John is saying about Christ, is he's going to clean out the silos. He's going to clean out the threshing floor. He's going to gather his seeds up, and then he's going to set fire to the rest. 
And that, when we talk about the, the Holy Spirit, all the, the mentions of the Holy Spirit in physical form or physical representation, depending on how you want to word that, two ways. Fire and a dove, right? The day of Pentecost, when the disciples were praying, there was tongues of fire representing the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit descended in the form of a dove. And I think that's the dual nature of God's cleansing of us. It is a fire, but it's also a fire that brings purity and peace. We have received the gift of the Holy Spirit, which we're going to be looking at here in some verses. And that, that fire is blazing hot. But just like God gave us the ability to choose in the garden, He's giving us the ability to choose now. Will we live in the Spirit of God? Or will we quench that fire? Over and over again, there's a battle, not because the heat of God's flame isn't strong enough, but because He gives us control right now on our own spirit. Are we going to allow our spirit to be heated and purified by His spirit? Or do we not want to be purified? We like things the way they are. And we quench that spirit. That's the language that is used. Quenching the Spirit. Why quenching? Because the Holy Spirit is a burning fire inside of us. Let's go to Luke chapter 11. Verses 11 through 13. This is where Jesus says, Knock and the door will be open. Seek and you shall find. He says, What father out there, if his son asks for fish, will instead give him a snake? None of you. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? It's obvious. Well, then, if you who are comparatively evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? What does that mean? What does it mean He'll give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Well, we're going to get into the difference of gifts of the Holy Spirit and the gift of the Holy Spirit tonight, and that's actually a lot simpler than I, I think we make it out to be. But one of the things I hope to show you through Scripture this morning is that the Spirit is in us if we ask God, give me your Holy Spirit. Jesus says quite plainly, He will give it to you. And what does that do? Well, when it comes to really complicated questions, I like to ask people who don't know any better. Not people who have studied, 
Not people who have exegeted scripture in the original languages and have compared manuscript against manuscript. I want to just ask somebody who's been baptized, have you received the Spirit of God? And they will answer yes. I remember being baptized. And I answered yes, but I think over years we quench the Spirit. And we were talking about this on Wednesday night in our class because we get the process backwards. We, we concentrate on being Christ-like. When Paul says, have this mind in you that was in Christ, we don't need to change what we're doing. We need to change what we want, what we expect, and what we think. And that change comes through Communion with God's Holy Spirit. We want the fruit, and we think if we have all the fruits of the Spirit, then we will be a Spirit-filled tree. But that's not how it works, is it? We don't have fruit hanging up in the sky. And when the fruit appears, when we get the right fruits in place, hang on by wires, then a tree will appear. That's not the way it works. Let's look at Hebrews, or excuse me, let's look at Galatians 5. Let's look at those fruits of the Spirit. Verses 19 through 23. Now remember, there's two things. There's flesh and there's spirit. If your tree is a fleshly tree, then the fruits of the flesh, the works of the flesh, are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, sorcery enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, Envy, drunkenness, orgy, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Again, he doesn't say these are the things you must practice in order to have the Spirit of God. He, say, he doesn't say if you avoid these things, you will have the Spirit of God. No, he's saying, if your soul, if you're, if you're living the fleshly life, then this is what you're going to see. He doesn't say, these are the things that cause you to live a fleshly life. He's saying, these are the results of a fleshly life. Impurity, sensuality. What does sensuality mean? It means Looking for that next thing to give me a buzz. We, we've got so much technology right now. And, and we were talking this morning in class again about how like the, the TV show Friends couldn't take place in 2021 because people wouldn't just be hanging out in a coffee shop talking to each other. And if you remember back to the 90s, <laughs> we hung out together because we didn't have anything better to do. We wanted to be with each other and have fun. Now, 
you can sit there at home in front of your screen or with VR goggles on and you can have a whole world come to you. And we're always looking for that next thing, that next chemical, the next show, the next um, beautiful tie. I don't know. It's beautiful, isn't it? Okay, sorry. That sensuality, that bling-bling, that, that looking to be like everyone else, the pictures of everyone going, look how fabulous my life is. Look at all the stuff I have. That's the sensuality. And that causes fights because there are limited resources in this world and we start fighting over them. I want to be more popular than you. I want to be more universally loved than you. I want to have more money than you. These are all the things that come from living the fleshly life. But if we live life in the Spirit, what do we have? Verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. I believe in Acts 2.38 when Peter says, be baptized and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I think he's talking about, well, it's a gift. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not something we go out and earn. It's something God gives to us. He gives us the tree. Or more to the point, He gives us the means by which the tree can grow and thrive. If we'll just live the spirit life. I know this sounds a little crazy, but I I think it's accurate that we reach out to and look to things of the flesh to keep us from living in the spirit. I think increasingly as our culture moves more and more toward living the flesh life, the more we're desperately afraid of having a quiet moment alone. So let's have a quiet moment alone together, just right now. Let's be present with the Spirit of God. Let's realize that we live in the Spirit. And I know that burning flame can be terrifying because, yes, it is a thousand degree hot flame. But we don't need to fear purification. Again and again, God's voice is not always in the thunder and the lightning, it's in the quiet if we just stop trying to get things and start saying, God, do with me as you will. 
respecting the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to bring garbage into my mouth, into my ears, into my eyes. And I'm certainly not going to go chasing after those things. I'm going to live in the Spirit of God. And as the Spirit of God helps me to live the Spirit life, those fruits will appear. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 29 through 31. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. That's appropriate for the occasion. So that what you say may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Grieving the Holy Spirit. Quenching the Holy Spirit. They're the same things. The corrupting talk. The bitterness, the wrath, the clamor, the slander. As he was saying in Galatians 5, those come from being sensual, being greedy, wanting things, living the flesh life instead of living the spirit life. So yeah, if there's corrupting talk coming out of your mouth, if the things you're saying are adding curses to the world. We talked about cursing, right? The things you say can be a curse to the world around you. And your your desire for things and status and safety and popularity and whatever else you're the next new experience, whatever you're going for, all that clamoring to get to the flag first so you can grab it from the top of the hill. That's causing all this strife around you and in yourself. Because instead of just living in the Spirit of God, saying, God, thank you for what you've given me today. Instead, you know what? I'm not happy. I need to go out and make my world be the way I want it to be. Then we are now in the battle that Satan is in. All right, Um, let's look again, let's go back to Ephesians 5, or go up to Ephesians 5. (laughs) And this is a very interesting passage to me, but I think it says something that we need to listen to. Ephesians 5, verses 18 and 19. Originally, this lesson was talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit, and we'll look at that more tonight. 
But whenever people are doing God's will, when they're given power, they're doing it because they've been filled with God's Holy Spirit. Look at this contrast. Ephesians 5, 18 through 19. Do not get drunk with wine. Okay, what does drunk mean? Well, I can tell you sadly from experience, it's an altered state of consciousness. It's a, um, I'm no longer the person I was. If you've been around people who drink, they, their personality changes when they drink. But he's saying, don't get drunk with wine, because that's debauchery. Rather, be filled with the Spirit. Why the contrast? Is it just that as long as I avoid alcohol, I'm going to be filled with the Spirit? No. If you look at the other verses about the Spirit, that's not what he's talking about. Read a little bit more. When we're filled with the Spirit, we're addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, seeking, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. I'm going to say this because it's true. And you guys can all um, bomb on me after the lesson today. Being present with the Spirit of God is intoxicating. It is literally intoxicating to be present with the Spirit of the Lord. It's not always intoxicating to the point, but I'm saying being present with the Spirit of the Lord, there's no benzodiazepine or other calming thing that you can give someone that has the effect of the Spirit and it goes all the way down to the bone and it's permanent in a way. Living in the Spirit changes who we are. And when we're living in the Spirit... We sing to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with our heart. Because we have joy. We were singing this morning, and the singing was great, was it not? And I really was filled with a sense of joy. And that comes from the Holy Spirit. And you guys can all say, well, you know, it's like the, it's really just the endorphins of your brain. If you look at it, the prefrontal cortex, you know what? I don't want to hear any of that. It's all in the Bible. And if you're not experiencing it, I'm not saying you should walk around like this all the time. Ha ha ha, I'm a Christian. Ha ha ha. I experience depression, I experience loneliness. We all experience all those things. But we're experiencing them as Christians in the presence of the Spirit. And most of the time, not all the time, because sometimes life just comes at us hard. But a lot of the times life is hard on me. It's because I chose to quench the Spirit. Let's be honest. But even in the presence of, and we're going to look at this at the very end. Let me just be quiet. Move on. I'm sorry, I'm cutting myself off. Don't laugh at me, honey. 
Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verses, uh, verses 19 through 21. Paul is at this point in Thessalonians just giving a bunch of almost proverbs. Here's my bullet point instruction list. And there's a lot of them in that section. And here are just a few of them. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. What does that mean? Don't get mad when you're led to understand something God wants you to understand. That's despising prophecy. Prophecy is words from God to you. Don't despise prophecies. If you're convicted by something I say or something someone else says or something you're just reading in your Bible, don't get angry. Get grateful. Because despising prophecies I think is related to quenching the Holy Spirit. On the other hand, test everything and hold fast to what is good. My contention is that one of the things the Spirit does for us is it helps us to test things to see which are good. The Spirit of God is with us, and if we're walking in the Spirit, we hear the truth or the untruth of what we're being told or what it is we're thinking about. Let's go to 1 John chapter 4. I'm just going to get there kind of quickly. Actually, not much of a page turn. And this is answering the question, well, how, how do I know someone's in the Spirit? What can I do to prove it? Well, you can't prove it with instru instruments. You can't get a specter detector like they had on Scooby-Doo and say, yes, this man has the Spirit, but you can walk with God. John says, listen, my beloved, don't believe every spirit. Rather, test the spirits to see whether they are from God. And there are tests you can run. He's going to list one here, but there's not a device you can use. Many false prophets have gone out into the world. Why? Why would they do that? Because the evil one pushes them to do it. Here's how you'll know the Spirit of God. Verse 2, Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. He doesn't mean this is literally the one test you can perform. What he's saying is, you know the gospel as it was revealed to you that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. Anybody that speaks different than what the gospel tells you is not a spirit from God. It's an evil spirit. And we should always test by what we know. And that's, again, why the Holy Spirit lives and moves in, in these words. These are the most important words in the universe. So here's the, the, what I'm saying. In this world, 
there are two kinds of knowledge. Facts and truth. Going to school, you can learn a lot of facts. But God gives us the one thing you can't get from school, and that's truth. And the Holy Spirit leads us to all truth. That's one thing the Spirit does. Let's go to John chapter 16. I'm going to try to go a little faster here. Jesus is talking about he's getting ready to leave. He's getting ready to be uh, go through all the things he did. He says in verse 7, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. What? It's good if Jesus leaves? Yes, it's good if I leave. Because if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. The helper, of course, Paracletes, being the Spirit of God. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, here's what he will do. He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. The truth is, Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and He will. He offers salvation to all, and He will be returning. If we did not volunteer for the first flame, we will endure the second flame. I'm not a hellfire and brimstone kind of preacher, but the, the truth is the truth. And the Holy Spirit convicts us of that truth. Verse 9, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I'm going to the Father and you're not going to see me any longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. It's already a done deal. The burning flame is already here. But... God is staying His hand so that any might be saved. I still have many things to say to you, Jesus says, but you can't bear them right now. When the Spirit of truth comes. What is the Spirit? The Spirit of truth. And the Greek in there says, when the, sp- the Spirit, the truth It's kind of hard, so you may have a different translation there. It's saying the Spirit is truth. Okay? When the Spirit, the truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. There it is. He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. Now, obviously, there is an element there where Jesus is talking about the fact that the apostles would be speaking the Gospel, and the Gospel that they would be receiving would be from Jesus. Yes, and we have... Things that they said written down in this book, praise God, that were handed down word of mouth for thousands of years. But the spirit of truth does not stop there. He leads us into all truth. Let's go to Acts uh, chapter 13. Here's an example
Okay. All right, so uh, Barnabas and Saul are uh, being sent out. How? They were sent out by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moves us if we will be moved. Because they were moved, they were moved down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus, skipping down to verse 8. But Ilimus, the magician, because that's the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul, the, the government official, away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, this is another one of those instances, and there are a lot of them in the, in the New Testament, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, hey, that's not cool, please stop it. No, that's not what the verse says. He said, you son of the devil, you're an enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy. Will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? The Holy Spirit, if we're filled with the Holy Spirit again and again, the Holy Spirit gives us truth. All right, last thing, and then we're going to quit. I know I'm going around a lot of directions. Just stay with me. It's the last direction I'm going to go. Let's go down to verses 50 through 52. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing, the important women um, and the leading men of the city, stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. That's really, if God sends me somewhere and all everybody rises up against me to kick me out, everybody hates me. <laughs> Why have you done this? Why did you bring me here? Because the Holy Spirit brought you there for His reasons. So what does Paul do? What do they do? They shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Jerusalem. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Think about that. Even during their worst times, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you guys getting a, a picture now? We can't continue to shortchange ourselves by not living in the Spirit. The Spirit, Holy Spirit's not some intellectual concept. The Spirit of God has been moving through the world since the very beginning and is moving through the world now and is in us if we, Jesus says, if we ask God to send us the Holy Spirit, of course He would do that. His Spirit waters our spirit. His Spirit purifies our spirit from all the flesh. If we live in the Spirit, and if we live in the Spirit, instead of chasing after the things of the flesh, then we will have the fruits that show all the world around us, this tree was planted by God. And that's how we're going to win people over to God. They'll know we're Christians by the love we have for one another. Again, let's not shortchange ourselves. We've been given a gift from Acts 2.38. The gift of the Holy Spirit. And most of my life, I've been taught, well, that's just a cute saying. 
It's not a cute saying. It's a reality. It's a reality that changes my personality. That gives me joy in circumstances like this. When I partake of the Lord's Supper, there's something going on there between me and God. When we sing praises, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs uplifting one another, it fills my heart with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And it can and should every Christian. Otherwise, why would anyone want to be a Christian? Except for, of course, the promise of eternal life. That is the big thing. But also, that's not so that we can suffer and one day have a good reward. No, that's because, as Jesus said, so that we can have life and have it to the full. Thank you. I, I pray that all of us would be saved. That we'd be saved by living in the flesh. I mean, living in the Spirit and not living in the flesh. Make sure I said that right. By living in the Spirit rather than going after the things of the flesh. Live in the Spirit. God does supernatural things. There's magic involved. As we define magic, things we can't repeat. Well, you can't repeat the works of the Holy Spirit because you're not God. Live in the Spirit. Be filled with the joy like these people were in the worst circumstance. They're kicked out of a city. Literally everyone hates them. And what's their reaction? They're filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Amazing! We can be filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Now God can cleanse the impure things in us so that we can be ready for when Jesus comes and sends the fire where He burns up all the chaff and purifies the universe. I want to be ready for that day. I want to join in the celebration at the end of time. I want you guys to be with me. And I want to take as many people as I can. And I want, I want us all to live in harmony and joy and peace with the Father. Amen? Let's do that together. Let's live in the Spirit. If you're not living in the Spirit, if you have a prayer, if you have some need that we can help with, we're going to sing a song. We'd ask that you please come forward. Also, of course, if you're not a Christian and you want to be baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, we can do that right now. We've got water ready to go. Come forward as we stand and we sing this song.